0: from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere.
1: Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct.
2: I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man.
3: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the RJ Ringside. It's Heidi Fang here, and I'm joined with our boxing writer, Sam Gordon. We've got our MMA writer here, Adam Hill, and the producers in the house, Larry Mir, coming in strong here on this Saturday evening, as we all have just watched UFC. Vegas 6. We're going to break that down and also talk about the latest in boxing but first don't forget we're brought to you by Deal Dash and Bet online and you can find us online as well at our slash podcast to check out the show and subscribe wherever you're listening. So guys let's go ahead get into this fight that we just witnessed it was a heavyweight bout and <laughs> next week we're going to have another one in this small cage and we're going to talk about that too but let's talk about the fight that we just saw. Alexi Olenik. Versus Derek Lewis And as I tweeted I thought this fight was kind of like the heavyweight version Of what Jorge Masvidal did to Ben Askren But it just took longer for it to get to that point Derek Lewis ends the fight with a flying knee And then a series of ground and pound follow-up And then has a uh, gold star post-fight speech <laughs> As we could only expect from Derek Lewis So Adam, give me your first impressions Of what you saw with Derek Lewis in the cage tonight
1: yeah, I think everybody kind of thought this was going to be a weird fight going in, and that's kind of exactly what we got. I mean, Derek Lewis for the first you know 30 seconds of the first round uh, was just uh, unleashing blows. Uh, and It looked like it was going to be a very quick night, and he was going to get Olenek out of there quickly, but then Olenek did what he does. He just kind of hangs around. He'll take those punches. Uh, he'll get through them, survive them somehow, and then find a way to get fights to the ground, and he did that. He got the fight to the ground. He got it to where he wanted to go. And he he said he had some sort of secret submission uh, that he was going to try to use on Derek Lewis. Turned out he kind of did. It was like a weird front headlock. Uh, Derek Lewis called it the British Bulldog uh, that he was trying to lock in there, and it didn't really look like it was doing too much. But Lewis said after the fight it was you know it was pretty deep on him. And then you know a lot of talk about the the flying knee, and you mentioned the flying knee there. I don't think the flying knee landed. Uh, if it did, it kind of got him in the chest a little bit. What it did though is it got a linnet kind of scrambling, and he was he kind of threw his arm out there. Left himself wide open, and then right after the flying knee, right after Derek Lewis got his feet back on the ground, Olenek was wide open and just got crushed by a right hand. And then I think about 150 right hands afterward. I, I lost count. It was insane, uh, but just obliterated him on the ground, and that was enough for for Olenek, who uh, who was out of there pretty quickly. But I thought you know Derek Lewis did what Derek Lewis does. He landed big shots. He you know, got himself in a little bit of trouble, uh, as you said, you know, made some new fans probably with his goofy post-fight interviews. Uh, but, you know, Derek Lewis does what he does. And and, and I thought the biggest storyline coming out of this was that Derek Lewis looked like he was not only in shape, but talked about getting in even better shape for his next fight, which uh, an in-shape Derek Lewis could be trouble for this division.
3: Yeah, Adam. And he also now holds the record for the most knockouts in UFC heavyweight history. So this was one where you look at the style matchup going into it and you see the submission artist versus the knockout artist. So, Larry, I mean, when you've been in the cage with others opposite you and you know that their style is completely different than yours, I mean, what does it say for Derek Lewis that he was able to accomplish what he did against somebody who's such a decorated grappler? Uh,
2: I mean, I think Derek Lewis's um, strength attributed to not getting locked up in those submissions but I mean, I'm sure he did a lot of work with a lot of high level grapplers, um, that were similar to Linux style. Um, my, you know, with uh, Derek Lewis, he, the thing that I always notice about him is he's constantly improving. He always looks better every time he's in the cage. And like Adam said, like, um, he wants to um, improve on his conditioning, like an in shape, a more in shape. Derek Lewis is extremely scary. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, like I said, he's one of my favorite heavyweights. He's constantly improving. Um, his, gra- I mean, he was scrambling. But he was doing the right things, listening to his coach, and the proper scrambles and stuff like that to get out of those um, to the submission attempts. So Derek Lewis is definitely someone to watch in the heavyweight division, and uh, I enjoy watching him.
3: Sam, you're a resident boxing guy, as you you know UFC fighters and MMA striking is always different than what you see, obviously, in the ring. But how did this fight size up for you between these two guys in this main event?
0: Yeah, I mean, like you guys touched on, uh, I mean, compelling matchup stylistically. Uh, but I just thought like the power, that's what jumped out to me is like Derek Lewis is so powerful and so, you know, so explosive, explosively powerful. Like it was just, it was an uncanny kind of explosion that I don't think, I mean, Olynyk you can be ready for, but how ready can you be to, you know, to like Adam said, when you catch a shot like that, when you're exposed, I mean, I thought that, that more or less was the end all be all that set up the, the, the actual finish. Um, so I mean, really, really really impressive outing I thought um, just from what I know what I want to ask you guys is you know like you said he's definitely a factor in this division how far away is he from that that title shot how close is he to that conversation
1: you know I'll uh, I'll, I'll answer this by saying nobody knows um, and, and here's here's the biggest thing we'll get into the the fight next week uh, between Cormier and Stipe Miich it, it's the settling of the the, it's the rubber match. Um, you know, guys that have both been champions. They fought twice before, they've each won one. Uh, so we'll have that settled. But man, this division is weird after that because you've got those guys fighting. They might both retire. Like, it, that's one of the weirdest aspects of this fight. Like, Daniel Cormier's talked about retiring. I think if he wins, he could be tempted into fighting John Jones. Stipe's talked about retiring because he still has his day job, which is always one of the weird stories about this sport that. You know, Steve Miasich has been the heavyweight champion for, you know, multiple times now and for several years. And he still works his day job. Um, he, and he doesn't, you know, he's talked about just like the whole pandemic and everything that he's kind of seen and gone through and all the working that he's done. And he's like, I just, you know, I don't know where where my passion is really for fighting anymore. So uh, this division after those two guys is so wide open that, you know, it could be a, a kind of a mad scramble for who gets that shot if these guys both do decide to walk away after this
3: yeah and then you have Francis Ngannou there who's right now I think very dominant in the division and somebody that maybe if there isn't a vacant title fight that maybe he would get the shot first or they have a fight between you know vacant belt between Lewis and Ngannou that might be something to see so well, and, and, you know, and, and Kurt, Curtis,
2: Curtis Blades is still there John Jones might a factor yep. in it too if he steps up to heavyweight
1: <sighs> He's retired. He's not no, he's so coming <laughs> back. <laughs> that's like Cerruto like being retired. Man, come on. So, yeah, Curtis Blades has been on such a run, but he's a guy that you know Dana White just is so annoyed with him and doesn't like it. Which I, you know, that's we could do an entire uh, show just about Curtis Blades. I feel like that's um, why I
3: didn't say his name. I know <laughs> we know and, where Dana's just, at
1: with that. I know, but it, at the end, like the the goal of the sport is to win. Like, you're supposed to try to win, right? Like, last time I checked, it is still a sport. And, you know, the way that they try to sell the UFC and they try to sell um, the fact that it's, hey, you got to make it make it so that people want to see you fight or we're trying to put on entertaining shows. Like, to me, I get all that. And I get that it is, you know, it, it is a business in, the, in those terms. But, like, the the goal of this is still to be a sport and to go win your fights. And that's all Curtis Blades does is win his fights. And the criticism about being boring and all these other things, like, I I, I get so annoyed by that. Like, do you want to have a sport or do you want to have a spectacle, like a circus? What are we trying to do here? And you know, Dana White just knocks Curtis Blades and knocks him. But uh, the bottom line is the guy just goes out and wins every time he's in the octagon. So uh, that's going to be an interesting factor, too. Derek Lewis right there, as you said, with Francis Ngannou, like, everybody wants to see that fight, but we've seen it. It And that was awful. yeah, it did not pan out because they're both scared <laughs> of each other's power, then nobody would make a move. So yeah, uh, I, I have a feeling it could be different, but, man, the, it's just such a weird division after those guys.
3: I remember watching that fight and I think the first thing I tweeted after like seven minutes is seeing them kind of paw it out and stand in their their stance was like, am I on a video game that got froze, like the controller stuck or something? <laughs> like That's all it reminded me of was that. But let's go ahead and take a quick break right here. We'll come back, recap the co-main event as well. And we're going to get into the boxing news as promised right here on the RJ Ringside podcast. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at zero and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 10 seconds to answer, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to Deal Dash.com and use the offer code Ringside or Deal Dash.fm slash Ringside. That's D E A L D A S H dot F M slash Ringside. Welcome back to the RJ ringside. It's Heidi Fang here with Adam Hill, Sam Gordon, and Larry Mir. We're breaking down UFC Vegas six. And also we're going to get into that boxing news, I promise. But let's go ahead and recap the co-main event action and what we saw here at UFC Vegas six. Adam, uh, when you look at this card, I mean, it was something a, a, a lot of people have been discussing whether or not Chris Weidman could come back from the depths of which he had pummeled himself into as far as the rankings and being out of touch with being a a contender in the division, and he had Omari Akmedov ahead of him. And so, when you finally see him pull off a win, albeit the third round, you could tell he was gassed and that he had to kind of really go back to his wrestling and just take control. And it wasn't doing much with it, but like you said earlier about Curtis Blades, it won him the fight, and you use all you got to win the fight. So, he did that effectively. And Chris Weidman's back in the win column, but what did you make of his performance?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was one of it was a case where. Chris Weidman did not look, you know, spectacular. There's nothing, you know, that's going to blow anybody away. But, you know, he's a former champion. Uh, he was a guy that was looked at as potentially being a, a game changer in the entire sport, and then really ran into some hard times. Lost five of six. He hadn't had a win in three years. He tried to move up to light heavyweight for one fight. Um, it just hadn't been working for Chris Weidman. But he did talk about refocusing. He talked about changing up his training, changing up the way he conducts training camps, and he just thought he was. In a good spot for this fight, uh, we saw him come out pretty good in the first round. Uh, Akhmadov really rallied in the second round and uh, became a big favorite in live betting market because of the way he took over the fight uh, in the second round. And Weidman looked like he was finished, but Akhmedov kind of wore you know through his uh, entire um, you know arsenal into that second round, tried to win the fight there, didn't get it done, and then they both go into the third round in a tie fight, completely exhausted. And I thought what you saw was Chris Weidman's kind of championship pedigree uh, where he understands when it gets to the end of a fight, when it gets late in a fight, he understands that you have to just find a way. And that's something that mm-hmm. guys that have had titles have, have had to do. And you know, while he hasn't been able to do that in his last couple of fights, he did. He found a way to get a takedown early in that third round. And Akhmadov was in a spot where he was just so tired he couldn't get out of it. And even though Weidman was tired too, he didn't have to fight as much is Akhmadov did from his back. So Weidman got in just uh, the perfect position and just basically ran out the clock, but really dominated that round and showed like that he knows what it takes to be a champion. He's got that in him. He's still got it. So he's he's going to be a factor, I think, uh, a little bit at middleweight, but he's got to put a couple wins together here. And and I think he knows that he's got to get in maybe a little bit better condition uh, to, to have a little more in the tank going to that third round for the next fight.
3: For sure. So let's talk about the bonuses because neither Derek uh, Lewis or Chris Weidman got one of those. So uh, the bonuses went to Andrew Sanchez, Kevin Holland, who had a a crazy knockout. So did Andrew Sanchez, Darren Stewart, Gavin Tucker. There were some other ones on this that I thought were pretty deserving, but nothing uh, was paid out. So maybe, maybe they get there. But like Benil DeRouche and his uh, spinning. Knockout, uh, spinning back fist knockout of Scott Holtzman. That one was pretty impressive, Uh, Larry. Which was a a fight on here that really impressed you tonight. Uh, What one did you get a chance to check out that you thought was like, wow, that that was awesome?
2: Um, (laughs) I I like the uh, Benil Derouche one because he he looked like he didn't even want to be there. You know, like he, I mean he uh, he did not look like uh, a focused Benil Derouche. Like you could tell that either the weight cut was bothering him, that he was upset about that. Or, I mean, even after the victory, he was just kind of like, you know, "Ah, yeah, I won it, but I'm not very happy about it. Um, Can I backtrack on something about the Weidman fight? Did you guys notice that he came out looking like Steven Wonderboy? for a second and then he like totally resorted back to his old style
3: yeah they trained together for a long time so i guess after you know the years that they've been together and working together that they adapt or pick up each other as they start morphing uh, the skill sets i, into,
2: <laughs> <laughs> into I, they I find mode. it hilarious when guys do that because they train with a guy and they try to mimic their training partner and then it just goes to hell when they take that first shot and they just go right
1: back to their
2: old ways i, I thought that was funny
1: they're also they're also family. Just to point that out, like you, they are uh, yeah. they are in laws uh, of each other. So it make I mean it makes sense that they've trained together a little bit and maybe try to throw that into his arsenal a little.
3: Yeah, a little paying homage to his brother-in-law inside the cage. Um, let's go ahead now and get into that news that we were talking about in the boxing world, Sam. Um, I'm going to toss the torch over to you and let you run with it because we've got a big one coming up here. Tyson Fury will go back to face Deontay Wilder for a third time. And uh, let's hope there's no heavy and large ornate costumes uh, worn on the walkouts this time. I mean, I did respect and love what he did there, but I think uh, that was what he attributed to part of the reason why he lost Deontay Wilder to Tyson Fury so Sam take it away what is going to happen here the trilogy in December
0: I mean that's what you know we, we've, we've speculated that for a long time and now it's really just about finding the venue right like there was some hopes of doing it at Allegiant Stadium um, Bob Arum had, had booked that venue or had reserved that date per se and, and now as we know the Raiders aren't having fans like how does that you know what kind of impact does that have I mean this is a fight you definitely um, would prefer not to do in, in the bubble in top ranks bubble at MGM might, might it come to that I'm not sure could you space people in MGM and mainly only do it with a thousand or two thousand fans like what would that mean for the atmosphere like there's so many with the virus there's still so many variables and, and ultimately I think what's going to happen is you're going to have that's going to be some type of bubble setting that's what we've seen has worked you have Showtime doing their bubble fights um at Mohegan Sun PBC came back today uh, on Fox with a with, with a bubble setting in LA like that's what works that's what's effective um definitely not an ideal situation but that fight you can you can still do pay-per-view you can still draw uh regardless of what the venue is regardless if there's any kind of uh, fans there you can still draw viewers uh it's a trilogy um, I mean, I think you know. This one it, was the second one in February. Now, I mean, it's been six months. It was supposed to happen in July before the virus hit. I, I, there's all this speculation about Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. We, you know, they've supposedly agreed to to fight next year. So it, it's about time. Um, but it's just about finding out where now.
3: Yeah, that and uh, just the fact, like, if it doesn't get settled for December, it, it'll probably be sometime in february right yeah
0: and then you have the 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 wc wbc who wants to step in they're they're eager to get dillian white out there uh against the winner of that fight and he, he's been the mandatory wbc challenger for a while or you know what's going to happen there how does that affect the, the you know supposedly fury joshua or, or what could be wilder joshua depending on who wins so a lot of uh a lot of moving parts right now but um hopefully there's some kind of light at the end of the tunnel i mean this this feud's been going on for a, a really long time now and yeah, it just, um, you know, it's been a long year, long summer. It, it, it's good to have boxing back, and that's definitely one of the marquee fights that could really uh, continue to draw some, some viewers and some attention to the sport.
3: You know what's going to draw my attention is Mike Tyson and Shark Week. I don't know yeah. if you guys are into Shark saw, Week, but I saw, I saw it, it Heidi, <laughs> are, are you a
0: Shark Week fan?
3: Oh, hell yeah. I love Shark what Week. What kind of dynamic do you think
0: Mike Tyson is going to bring?
3: oh man i just i don't know but i hope he goes diving like into the water with the sharks i I just i want to see that i want to see him like in a cage like with one of those cameras on his head and just like reacting to what he's seeing down there i'm
1: not participating in this conversation because i hate shark week shark week (laughs) like it's not because the sharks are great like i get it the sharks are fun to get to watch all the (laughs) sharks i was done after the michael phelps thing like they hyped Michael Phelps against a shark for like 6 months and then he fought he swam against a vi- uh, like a virtual shark. Like give me put me in the water and let's go. Like what are we yeah. doing? So they're probably going to say like Mike Tyson's going to box a shark or something and then they're going to have like a computerized shark like enough of this. I don't want that. He's going to bite it.
3: And for those who don't know adam like he does not like to watch anything that is made up so he will not watch like a sharknado for instance hold on i did watch that wouldn't I did, happen
1: i do like sharknado but i, oh, I, I thought know. you
3: didn't like to watch things that didn't couldn't happen in real life so you think a sharknado could happen in real life no, what that's, number that's what like, number,
1: that's, what that's number are they on now i think they've had four
3: yeah four is the last time i was uh, aware
1: That's more of a I. Like, I don't like things that can't happen in real life (laughs) that like take themselves seriously. So, like Star Wars, Star Trek, those things are they can't really happen, so I won't watch them. Like science fiction things, but things like Sharknado, which are obviously just for comedy, and they're like not pretending like it could really happen. I'm in. I'm in for that. Did you cry? Did you cry at all during any Sharknados? No, definitely not. I laughed hysterically the whole time. It was was, was, was the dumbest (laughs) things ever.
3: The ending of the first one is the most epic thing to ever happen on Shark Week. All of the endings.
1: The endings are just great every time. One one more bigger nonsense.
3: Oh, man. So, Sam, uh, let's get back to the the boxing news. I wanted to ask you if there were anything else right now that we should be aware of, like, as far as big matchups, anything else going on in the ring that we haven't caught up with since the last time that we spoke? Yeah, I mean, I
0: guess I guess the big one would be, um, you know, local Sean Porter uh, is going to be back back in action August twenty second in a in a um, in a title eliminator against Sebastian Formea. Um, he, I mean, last time we saw, you know, Showtime Sean was against um, Errol Spence, and, and we know what kind of we know what kind of matchup that was. That was arguably the fight of the year last year in twenty nineteen. So, you know, is is Sean Porter still a contender in this division? Um, I believe so. I believe he can still challenge for a world title. He's not in that Errol Spence. Um, Terrence Crawford class per se but he still is one of the top in the division and he's going to have another chance to to prove that and, and get back in that title conversation um, in two weeks August 22nd and then, and then I want to take a second real quick um, Minnesota native Minneapolis native uh, Jamal James tonight with the uh Captures the WBA interim welterweight title on that PBC card. Headline the PBC card in LA with a unanimous decision over Thomas DeLorme. Uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, stand up. Uh, this this fight was supposed to happen in the Twin Cities, uh, but uh, of course the pandemic uh, moved it. But but nonetheless, a, a big accomplishment for for somebody from my
1: hometown. So I just want to make sure that that, that gets its due. All right, settle, w- settle down. <laughs> settle down, Minnesota. And and by the way, you might have seen. Sean Porter last in that Earl Spence fight. Last I saw Sean Porter, he had a very choreographed boys to men routine doing karaoke <laughs> at a Mohawk yeah. kitchen. Uh, very impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> I don't know, know he got that in his bag. Oh yeah. It's uh it's very you know what? We're, if our competitors are listening, they might give it away. We should that's how we should cover this fight, just right in advance of his karaoke. That's a great idea. That's a fantastic <laughs> idea.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of hometown guys, Adam, uh, we had a Las Vegas go into the cage, uh, Justin Janes, and there was a lot of hype behind him. And I just wanted to recap that fight because it's one of the guys that trains locally here at Extreme Couture. And uh, he stepped in there tonight and he had a lot of steam writing off of his quick UFC debut, but this one didn't pan out so well for him tonight. So, uh, you know, Justin James takes a loss, but I mean, I think the fight itself, he, he showed a lot of heart in there, but like I mentioned earlier, one of the people that he was fighting, that was Gavin, Tuck, Gavin Tucker, got a bonus tonight for that performance. So um, yeah, what did you make of Justin James tonight and when will he bounce back?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, he's a guy who had a lot of momentum. As you said, he took, you know three uh, a fight on three days' notice back in June at the Apex, the first run of fights there. Um, you know, got his big break for the UFC and took full advantage with a 41 second knockout as a big underdog. Got a bonus in that fight, so picked up some money and then uh, earned himself some more some more opportunities. And uh, that was a, b- a big opportunity for him tonight against Gavin Tucker. Just as you said, it wasn't he wasn't dominated. It wasn't like he got blown out of the fight. He got finished in the third round. Um, but I, I think certainly you know he he still has. A little bit uh, behind him, and he could say, "Okay, I got my UFC debut. I got the win, bounce back. I was, you know, able to go into a third round. I, fi- I got the loss, but at least you know, I got some more experience. I got some more time in there uh, in the cage. Remember, he only got 41 seconds in that first uh, that mm-hmm. first trip to the cage. So he's he's seen it a little bit more. He's got to experience a little bit more, and uh, I think he'll be able to build off that. But you know, it's always tough when you lose a losing streak. I think he had five straight wins before uh, tonight. So uh, you got to deal with the loss, but he's he's lost before and, and been able to bounce back. So." Uh, I think we'll see him again soon
3: all right so that'll do it for us here tonight on the rj ringside podcast we hope everybody here enjoyed the show you can find us all on twitter if you're looking for more combat sports coverage at adam hill lvrj at by sam gordon and at larry Miranum at heidi fang and you can follow the show as well on the review journal website at reviewjournal.com slash podcast or wherever you're listening just hit subscribe and follow along we'll be here weekly with recaps for you guys so make sure to keep watching and listening for our next episode but for tonight thanks everybody for listening Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former players, Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ, Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling fan Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.